Welcome to Packers Unscripted from Packers.com. I am Mike Spofford sitting alongside my trusted colleague Wes Hodkowitz. We're coming to you here from our studios at Lambeau Field and a belated happy Mother's Day to all the moms out there. I neglected to mention that last week when we signed off. But along those lines, Wes, you had a really nice piece on our website over the weekend in celebration of Mother's Day talking about the really poignant and well-told story of Kenny Clark and his mother, Nicole, and everything that she went through to, uh, to raise her children, one of whom is now a rising star in the NFL. A really nice piece. If you haven't had a chance to check it out, be sure to go on Packers.com and click on that. But uh, just your overall impressions of getting to talk to Nicole and talk to Kenny about his backstory and everything and, and how it all came together. Well, I just want to put this out there uh, for a backstory to his backstory. Uh, the reason why I wanted to do a story like this, I've been wanting to write a Mother's Day story for years, going back to my time at the Press Gazette. But I wanted, I didn't want to do it just to do it. Uh, as I wrote an Insider Inbox, I wanted to find the right story. Yeah. And this thing with Kenny worked out great because actually I was thinking about doing some kind of a profile on him late last season. Well, then obviously he ended up having the elbow injury. He ended up missing the last three games. Yeah. And then once the season got done, I went up to him in the locker room. I said, you know, I would be really interested in writing a story about you and your mom because, you know, if you know anything about Kenny and, and where he comes from in San Bernardino, um, it's not the best area. And obviously he lost his father when he was nine. Uh, Kenny Sr. still incarcerated. Um, in, in the state of California right now. And that story's been told a lot, but the story we didn't really hear about, or at least I hadn't seen before, was how Nicole managed that as a, as a mother of four when her husband's now out of the picture and she has to provide for all these children. Not only did she provide in the monetary sense, doing double shifts uh, as a nurse in one of the corrections facilities out there for women, she also had to do it you know, mentally, emotionally. And being able to do that in an environment that sometimes can pull your kids away from you. She understood the value of, of family. You know, she was not raised by her parents. She was raised by her great-grandmother. Uh, she didn't have her parents in her life. She was on her own when she was 16. If she ever got to that point in her life, she wanted to make sure that the dad was involved no matter what. And that's what she did. And I thought her building that foundation for Kenny Jr. and her other three children was really set them up for success. Uh, his brother Keon now is actually at Fort Hayes State playing football. He has twin sisters that are currently going to school to be nurses. There was a, a nephew and a niece, a brother and a sister that she also welcomed into their family. So providing that kind of atmosphere and sort of sheltering her children from, you know, some of the the things that could take you away from your goals, yeah, I thought was so important, and it's amazing to see the relationship they have today and, and really how important she is, not only to Kenny the player, but more importantly, Kenny, the person. Yeah. And it sounds like she's uh, certainly done her share of traveling to football games and, uh, and being around for Kenny and, uh, and his exploits on the field. One of the pieces I, of that story I thought was really interesting was how even with Kenny's father in prison, and for those who don't know, 
Um, he was convicted of second-degree murder. The family maintains his innocence. He maintains his innocence that he's been wrongly convicted in this. Unfortunately for them, several appeals have not gone his way, so he does remain in prison. But she made sure that not only was he involved to a certain extent in, in his life and growing up, but that he was involved in his recruiting right. at, it, at uh, the process of you know um, finding that college, finding the right scholarship and the right fit for a college program. And um, you had some details in there about recruiters from UCLA sitting down in the prison right. with uh, with Kenny's father. I find that uh, somewhat fascinating, um, you know. But you talk about uh, you know college coaches, recruiters doing their homework on somebody and really getting to know the kid and the family and everything like that, that was all part of it for them as well. Yeah, Angus McClure, who ended up being his defensive line coach at UCLA, was also their recruiting coordinator. He was the one that kind of took the lead on that, went and met with Kenny Sr. It's very interesting because Nicole, she's not a football person. She she really didn't know anything about the game until Kenny Sr. was in prison and then suddenly had to be sort of a shepherd for Kenny. Yeah. And now she was the one that was going to have to sort of drive this recruiting process because more than anything, she wanted her kids Still does, because uh, Kenny left early, wants her kids to get four-year college educations. And she wanted to make sure it was the right fit. The football was great, but she wanted to make sure the college was a good fit. UCLA was worked out great because, one, it was in the area. She was able to get to those games, as you talked about. Yeah. But also felt like McClure and the coaches at UCLA felt – really invested in making sure Kenny grew as a person in addition to as a football player. Um, and the bigger thing that I kind of look for that I think is just so important, whatever happened with Kenny Sr. and, and the situation that that is, it is what it is. He's serving 55 to life. They're still holding out hope that through some different new evidence over years to come that maybe they could get a new trial. But the thing is, is he had four children. And you want to make sure that those four children, and I'm talking as a society, not just as Nicole Clark, the mother, right. you want to make sure that those children are able to lead healthy and productive lives. And I think that's one of the things she really did, a service to her children in making sure they did have that open communication with their father because Kenny Jr. was furious. He admitted it. When he first was growing up, that's a tough time. He's nine years old. He doesn't understand why his dad isn't there anymore. And suddenly he's asked to be the man of the household. So for them to have that relationship with him and then him to be involved in the decision-making process to go to UCLA, I think it really galvanized that family. It really brought Kenny a, a sense of direction. Uh, he talks to his dad frequently. He calls before games. Um, last year when Kenny was the Packers nominee for the Walter Payton Man of the Year Award, Kenny Sr. did a video congratulating him on that. So yeah. there's so many different things, so many different avenues you can go down, but the charitable efforts the family's made, the impact they're trying to continually make on the San Bernardino area, uh, it's something that, that really has been a calling for Kenny. And only 23 years old, Michael, he's gone through a lot in his short amount of time and trying to find a way to help improve the lives of maybe some of these less unfortunate children is less fortunate children is is something that I think is really important to him and Nicole. Well, and I think, uh, you know, when we when when we look back to that terrible story from last December, when all of the the toys for the annual yeah. toy drive were 
robbed, stolen out of a, uh, a storage shed or a garage type area. And Kenny was telling, uh, you know, a group of reporters about that. And, and you know, and this was what it was a few days before, before, uh, before uh, the whole Christmas toy drive. And these these uh, toys were going to be distributed to all of these, you know, underprivileged kids in, in the San Bernardino area. It's, you know, your heart just goes out to, for stuff like that. And and then reading in your story how, you know, a mom like Nicole working double shifts and and to take care of her kids and provide for them. And, and Kenny even saying, you know, it never felt like we wanted or needed, yeah, you know, right. anything that, that it was all there for us. You know, we had presents at Christmas time, we had, um, family activities and, and things to do. So, uh, um, I hope certainly that, uh, he can continue what he's doing in San Bernardino with his mom and with his family members with this annual toy drive. And hopefully I guess, get some better locks on the yeah. doors. I hate to, you know, make well, they're light not even, of it, but yeah, they're not there anymore. That was at her old house. Um, they would actually were in the process of moving out of there, That's but right. they still That's had right. the garage. Uh, they've since sold that. So next year, I'm guessing this won't be the same issue. Hopefully. Yeah. Uh, they were able to do, I believe it was a GoFundMe or something to kind of rally to be able to still get presents to kids but it's just so interesting listening to Kenny tell the stories because everything that he does she calls herself uh, or I don't even know if she does I think some of the friends and family call her the momager uh, for Kenny in terms okay. of hand, handling you know she's the lead person on his financials but also any of these type of you know camps and clinics and, and drives that they run she's involved with it man I mean he talked about her his first football clinic that he ran in the San Bernardino area she was cooking for everybody there it's 200 some kids she was the one that was providing all the food and everything I mean that's just the way she's wired she wants to give back one of her big things now that she's looking to do independently is to put together a, a a facility um, for the for the disabled in the San Bernardino area. Okay. People that have had difficulties. I mean, he hearing some of the stories, they didn't make it into the story, the, the written story. Some of the stories about what she encountered when she was at the prison and the people that she worked with. She's seen it because, in some regard, she's lived it with her husband been, being incarcerated, with them still being together. As she said, I mean, these are human beings. They're not dogs. I mean, you have to treat people like they are people. And the hope being is that if you give them a semblance of hope, they're going to want to correct their ways. And, yeah. and I just think you can't have enough Nicole Clarks in the world. It's the reason why we wrote the story. And hopefully if you checked it out, um, you know, maybe a little bit inspired, too, by her story, her perseverance, and, you know, the kids that she's raised today. Yeah, no question about it. And uh, and obviously we'll, we'll be looking to see just where Kenny Clark's football career goes from here because it looks like – he hasn't even scratched the surface of maybe old. where where he might be when this is all said and done. Where were you when you were twenty three, Michael? I was grad school? Uh, no, I was actually out of grad school, but no. then I was working at the Wausau Daily Herald. There you at go, twenty three. Yeah, but I mean, for Kenny to be a third year veteran, just got his fifth year option picked up. I mean, everything's going so well for him professionally, but. As Nicole said, he still needs to make sure he ties in church every Sunday. He needs to make sure he's finding ways to give back <laughs> right. because there's some people that haven't been as fortunate for him to like him to find a way out. Yeah, all righty. Well, uh, I'll take care of a little bit of sponsor <clears throat> business here, Wes. The Green Bay Packers get ready for game day with the powerful noise-canceling technology of Bose QuietComfort 35 Headphones 2. Learn more at www.bose.com slash Packers. Bose, the official headphones of the Green Bay Packers. And at home or here in the stands, we all know that Green Bay fans give it their all, and that takes a lot of energy. So grab a warm bowl of Campbell's Chunky Soup. Its meaty goodness fuels the greatness of Packers fans everywhere. Try the delicious classic, excuse me, classic chicken noodle soup. Just visit your local supermarket and ask for Campbell's Chunky Soup official soup partner. 
of the Green Bay Packers. Okay, another thing going on on our website right now in terms of our stories, Wes, we're uh, going back to some of the interviews we got from the rookie minicamp a couple weeks ago, um, extending uh, um, some profiles on some of the Packers draft picks. One of those that was posted on the website on Monday was on Ty Summers, the linebacker from TCU. Seventh round pick was the eighth and final pick that the Packers made in the draft has a really interesting story because anytime you come across someone who whose football career was headed down the path of being a quarterback, but then they end up doing something completely yeah. different, but <laughs> still make it to the NFL playing a completely different position. <laughs> it's always a fun story. And, and Summers is one of those guys. He was a star dual threat quarterback in high school, ran for a lot of touchdowns threw for a lot of touchdowns, but, his offers to play quarterback were from Rice, the military academies, um, places like that, and, and Ivy League schools he mentioned right. as well. So certainly nothing to sneeze at there. But he got an opportunity. TCU was interested in him to play linebacker. And his initial thought was, well, Gary Patterson and defense in the Big 12? Yeah, why the heck not? Right. And so he, uh, you know, as I said in the story, he – has a lot of faith in his faith, and he knew that, hey, this is going to work out. This will be the right thing for me. I've got faith. I've got trust in it, and it has. He had a very, very impressive career as a linebacker at TCU for Gary Patterson, and now here he is in the NFL with Green Bay. Yeah, I mean, he's a quintessential seventh-round pick. I mean, how many times have you and I talked about you look for if – you're, if you're in the seventh round, these are guys that, from a fundamental standpoint, probably have some flaws to their game – but some areas that you want to develop. And yeah. You look at his 40, 4.51 seconds, 27 bench reps, all the other things that he did at his pro day and being able to show what he can you know, offer teams from an athletic standpoint, he hits all the targets in that regard. The other thing I really love about him is he's the true statement of an athlete. Uh, we, we talked about it on draft night. You heard the stories a little bit about how, okay, when – Things got really rough for TCU, and they needed him to step in as an edge rusher, as a defensive end. He did that. And I kind of wrote that off like, okay, cool, whatever. I mean, he did what he had to do. Then when I saw him in person in the locker room, I'm like, that's an inside linebacker. Yeah. There's no, You're not going to get anything confused in terms of where his position is supposed to be. Right. But for him to still play that spot and hold up you know, his end of the bargain there, I think that says a lot about what TCU's coaches thought of him and really what he provides a defense. And, and as the Packers also hope on special teams. Uh, and as you mentioned, getting back to the quarterback thing, a lot of times you do see guys that really do, you know, your top players in high school, a lot of times are quarterbacks. That's just the position they want to play, yep. and it's the position that the team needs them to be at. Best athlete, have the ball in their hands as much as possible. Exactly. Right? Yeah. But with Summers, you understand a little bit, learning his background, learning where he came from, and especially being in the state of Texas, exactly probably the upside that was there. And he doesn't back away from it. He thinks he probably could have tried to make it in the league as a UFA but his best position was linebacker. He has that knowledge behind him. He keeps that in the back of his mind. This is a smart guy that has a lot going for him, and now will try his hand at you know making a career for himself in the NFL as, a min as an inside guy. Yeah, and this is a guy that is a redshirt freshman. I believe he had 23 or 24 right. tackles in a game for TCU when he was really just still learning the, the linebacker position. I'm curious to see just because of the, the body type, those combine testing numbers that you mentioned, um, I'm really curious to see how he adjusts to a potential special teams role in the NFL. He looks to me like one of these guys who can be a you know 
all what they call the four core, you know, right. on all four of the major special teams units as far as coverage and returns and can really make an impact there with that, with that type of athletic ability. I don't want to write him off completely on defense yet, but you said it, Wes. He's a, he's a seventh-round pick. He's right. at a position where the Packers have Blake Martinez. You have Oren Burks, who was a third-round pick last year. You have various safeties who are playing this hybrid linebacker safety spot. But uh, special teams is a place that the Packers know they, they want to upgrade. They need to do better there. It's it's the phase that uh, that is going to get a lot of attention here, and this is a guy who could uh, really do something. If you're a seventh-round pick, you better be able to play special teams. Yeah. That just comes with the territory. Heck, if you're a second-rounder, a lot of times you need to be able to play there too. And I think Summers embraces that. And at 6'1", 241, he has the perfect body type. The, that tight end inside linebacker body type is what you often look for as those core four units, and I think he presents that. The Packers, as I wrote in inbox this past week, I think there's going to be two or three guys that are going to make this roster, maybe new to the roster this year, strictly based on special teams alone. It's a big point of emphasis for them this season, wanting to make sure they find the right guys for those units, not just yeah. trying to plug and play backups from other positions. So uh, that's going to be really interesting and intriguing to watch. And the thing I really like about Summers is he has a good head on his shoulders and he really seems eager to show that he can belong. And, and I think in the long run, that's going to be something that helps him. And, and if, you know, down the road, defense presents itself, you know, that, that's going to set you up for that as well. Yeah, well, another late-round pick uh, for whom we have a story on the website, if you want to check it out as well, is the uh, sixth-round pick, the cornerback out of Toledo, Kadar Holman. We talked about him a little bit initially, Wes, when he was first drafted about the odd jobs and yeah. stuff that, you know, am unloading Dunkin' Donuts trucks and, and other things that he's done. It's a really interesting story and definitely a uh, um, a player to follow here just in terms of uh, how how far he's had to come just to get where he is right now. Well, and we got a couple details last week talking to him about what those jobs are because it's one thing to just hear what it is in terms of a label, but actually understanding what they required is a little different. And, you know, first off with the unloading the trucks as a driver's assistant, you know, he's going around the tri-state area. They're long days to begin with. Your whole goal is you got your semi-truck and you got to unload all this you know stuff to all these different coffee shops around yeah. the area and then if weather got bad which as you know new york new jersey connecticut it can uh then <laughs> absolutely you, they just put you up in a hotel and you're then rooming with this basically a stranger uh that that you didn't know before this trip uh he did that for two weeks and then you know moved on he also had a job as a bread factory you know, basically just sitting in a line making sure that everything is up to you know what it needs to be to go out to the public and in making sure everything was edible and whatnot different type of job in terms of he wasn't traveling but in this point you're just standing in one place did that for two weeks too said he did pick up a deli job before he went to college when he got his opportunity at toledo that was probably the one he enjoyed the most um, but th all of those experiences taught him even though he had a lot of things to overcome in terms of academics in terms of his sat scores he knew in that moment he needed to get to college and he wanted to play football. He knew he could play Division One football, and then Toledo gave him the opportunity as a walk-on two years later, two and a half years later ends up getting a scholarship, and now he finds himself in the NFL. It's quite the journey. Well, I'm sure before too long he'd like to start talking more about what he's doing on the field as right. opposed to these <laughs> odd jobs that uh, that he was uh, was handling in order to try to get that scholarship or get that Division One football opportunity. But uh, uh, quickly before we go, in the subject of odd jobs, 
What uh, what one in your past is uh, the one that stands out the most or that you take the most memories from? Yeah, I, I mean, everybody has their first fast food job, right? I think you did as well. Dairy um, Queen in high school, yes. Yeah, I had my first at McDonald's. And then uh, because, you know, you're always chasing the dollars, I then moved up the ladder. Uh, and then I worked at a, you know, a meat shop for a little bit and cleaning up, like, carts and that, you know, when you got, uh, okay. you know, they... They come through, and you go through the process of the cow not living anymore, and then you have to, you know, actually clean up all the stuff afterwards. I got a chance to do that for a year and a half. Then finally, Mike Vandermoss came calling, and I came, was able to go to the Green Bay Press Gazette <laughs> and go. didn't have to work those odd jobs anymore. So, uh, yeah, but we all we all have them, right? They are what they are who shape us to be who we are today. Yeah, a couple summers uh, home from college, I actually worked on a painting crew. My uh, huh. Um, my U.S. history teacher in high school, he sort of ran a little summer business of like painting houses to raise extra money for his family. And me and another buddy of mine, like we uh, we kind of like latched onto his crew and, and did that. And I mean, it's it's tough work, but I was also really thankful because then when I bought my first house in Green Bay and even my second house in Green Bay that my wife and I bought, I've painted like all the rooms and everything. Like I know I, it's like, I kind of know how to do it. I didn't have to, you know, just try to do it by the seat of my pants, so to speak. I actually knew what I was doing to, uh, to make my house look a little nicer on the inside. You and Kyler Fackrell, that was Fackrell's job. That's right. You got here That's too. right. Yeah. yeah. You guys the can bond painting. over that yeah, at some I'll point. Yeah. I'll have to share some, uh, <laughs> share some painting stories with, uh, with the outside linebacker from Utah state here before, uh, before too much. Much longer, but uh, with that, we will call it a wrap on this edition of Packers Unscripted. Be sure to follow all of our coverage of the team on Packers.com. If you like podcasts, you can subscribe and like us on iTunes and other podcast services. On Twitter, he's at Wes Hot. I'm at Mike Spofford at Packers to follow for the team account. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. We'll see you next time. <laughs>